0: Welcome to the Portable Pulpit. Let's go.
1: What up, family? Uh, Colby Corso here, and we're going to do a sermon extension um, for you guys that have been following our sermons online. Uh, we've been doing online church, uh, FBC Bayfield, like slash online church, and putting our sermons up because of all the things that are going down with the coronavirus and all that. The corona. These uh, sermon extensions are helps to... You guys that maybe want to go deeper, interact with the text, um, those sort of things. It's obviously helpful for our house church leaders that are trying to digest what was put out on Sunday and then articulate it and disciple our people in the house churches through it throughout the week. This week uh, and the last week, we've kind of been doing a jog where we kind of caught up about what this epistle written by John the Beloved what its aim is um, both for the church there in Asia Minor and then also to us here and now, what is this epistle about? So we we jogged about what are some of the bigger themes about how love and love in truth is an antidote against the sweet-smelling um, error of false teachers and, and how deceivers have went out. And it's not a few deceivers, but it's many deceivers. And they don't confess the biblical Christ. And that's really where Christ is the test of Christianity. That if we don't have a solid Christology, we don't have a church. And so this um, idea is is that there's going to be deceivers who are going to supplant uh, or attempt to supplant and put something in place of Jesus at the center of the church. And if we allow that to happen, if we don't defend the truth, then we'll find ourselves not being a church. And so this spirit of the Antichrist is everywhere of where they want to hold something other than Jesus as supreme. Um, But in our hearts, as believers, Jesus occupies a central and unique place. And so uh, the text says not everyone who goes on ahead and does not abide in the teachings of Christ. That's not only from him, but that, that means of is about him, does not have God. And so we talked about not all progress is good. Progress off a cliff is still progress, but it's just not good. And this gets into where, whether it's Mormonism um, and their their book of Joseph Smith or um, Jehovah Witness pamphlets or Mary Baker Eddy, a lot of times they're not completely throwing away the Bible. What they're doing is they're aligning something up next to it and saying the Bible isn't enough, Jesus isn't enough, the gospel isn't enough, you need Jesus plus this other thing that we're trying to bring in. And so when we, we need to identify that as going to be a common tactic of our enemy um, working through false teachers. And so the Scripture is going to tell us that whoever abides in the teaching has both the Father and the Son. Verse 10, and this is really where we're going to get into uh, today, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, this teaching about Christ, this gospel-centered teaching, do not receive him in, in your house or give him any greeting. Whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. Now, when this verse hits us, a lot of times we feel a tension because there are commands to love our neighbors ourselves. Um, there's commands to love others as Christ has loved us. And yet at the same time, we have commands like this in the Bible where it says we should discriminate, we should be wise, have good discernment and judgment about who we let in. Now, look, this is not talking about us sharing the gospel with sinners. This is not us alienating ourselves from sinners. The text in verse 10 says, if anyone comes to you and does not bring this teaching, this is an instance of someone coming to influence you, not you going as a believer, trying to influence them with Jesus. And it says that if someone is coming to proselytize you away from the gospel, and their message is not Jesus that they're trumping, Do not receive them into your house or give them any greeting. What this means is, in the ancient world, these greetings, elaborate as NBA handshakes, was a way in which I affirmed you. John actually gives this church this very same greeting in verse 1 through 3. And the elect sister, another sister church that's making disciples in verse 13, is also giving this greeting to this church. Ironically, This church is being greeted by both John the Beloved and this elect sister in ways that it's not to greet false teachers. Because if we greet them and we tell the world that they're our brothers, then we're saying that our gospel message and their false gospel is the same thing. We're platforming them. We're giving resources to them. We're helping them propagate messages that are not the gospel. And so John is saying, There's a place for us because we love the truth and because we actually love people to not let everybody into our house. And so um, if there's this argument that the truth needs to not only be shared by Christians, that's 100% true, it needs to be protected by Christians. And this gets into a whole field of apologetics about how we defend the truth. And so there's a place not to greet everyone as brothers. There's a place not to let everybody equally... um, a stature in your life to speak into your faith, to speak into your beliefs. Not everybody should carry the same weight when they teach you the Bible. For whoever greets him takes part in his wicked works. The same way when we give money to send missionaries to take the true gospel to the ends of the earth, we're taking part in the fruit of that mission work. If we greet and we co-sign and we platform and we, we give credibility, we lend our influence to these false teachers, we're taking part in the error that they are spreading. And so I think we, we just got to be uh, wise as serpents and gentle as doves. When we come to these two truths that are creating attention and of, uh, we want to love our neighbor. We want to be hospitable. And I, I took some time to talk about how homes were used in the early church, how hospitality was such a, a powerful tool then in the church, just as it is now. And we have a desire to have a big front porch and to have people in our homes and, to share Jesus with the rest of the world. We have a heart to do that, but at the same time, we have to be wise to make sure that somebody doesn't come and like pirate our whole ministry platform of our home. We gotta be careful there. Verse 12 gets into this thing. Though I have much to write to you, I would rather not use paper and ink. And I think this is so relevant for our current time, even podcasting or shooting our sermons. Um, that we would we wanna be in the same room and hug necks with people and, you know, we want to eat stir fry at the Taylor's and Mexican food at the Petties and hot dogs in Doug Savage backyard. And there's, we want to high five and, um, kiss babies and hug necks. And right now, um, we're practicing this social distancing thing. And so we're using the paper and ink of our day, recording audio, shooting services, doing these sorts of things. And that's okay. Temporarily. And John felt that, but he wants to go deeper he wants to be present with them. And so that angst of John is that he loves this church and he wants to be with them. And this is not like a looking at the church, having a take it, or leave it attitude. He already said in like verse 1 about how he loves this church and the truth, and all who love the truth like be loving on the church. Um, and so he wants to say much to them. And I get that because I feel like as I preach through the Bible, it's going so slow. And I'm going to die before I can preach the Bible two or three times through. I might not even get through the Bible once um, preaching through it. And I want to teach our church all of it, you know? And so he says, instead, I want to come to you and talk face to face. This is the word stoma in Greek. It actually means mouth to mouth so that our joy may be complete. The result of doing gospel centered community and doing life really deeply with each other, orbiting around Jesus is complete joy. Your joy will be hamstrung. It'll be limited as long as you are not in community with other believers deeply. And so John says, I want to close the gap. I want to do the opposite of social distancing. I want to be intimate with you. And I told a story, it's like a mentor, someone that influenced me as I was coming up in the game, um, said the greatest gift that could ever be given to him is that everyone that he ever loved to be in one room together to party that th- that there's really no physical possession that could replace those faces, those jokes, those stories, good conversation, good wine, good food, and being all together. And so in old olden days, uh way my grandparents say, they just trying to get together and visit. You know, they visiting people coming to visit. And that was just like this thing of like people kicking in on the front porch with guitars and sweet tea and rocking chairs. And they just want to they want to be together. And I think for us sometimes We pursue things to do with one another instead of just abiding with one another. Like the best thing that could be happening is just we're with our people. And I said this before in the sermon, and it bears repeating. The best thing in Colorado is the people, is the church. If if I go back to Oklahoma, as good as the food is, uh, as good as other things I want to see is there, the best thing in Oklahoma is my family, is my church. If I get a chance, if anybody survives in France, I get to go back to France. I'm telling tell you, it's not the Louvre. It's not the Eiffel Tower. The best thing in France for me is the church. That's what I'm going there to visit with. And so notice verse 13, the children, which is, I talked about before, a picture of discipleship, where just like this letter is written to the elect lady, um, the church is chosen, and her children, that's her disciples. We see here the children or disciples of your elect sister, which is... We would understand, possibly mean a sister church greets you. And I said this before, it's like you're just not alone. We're not the only ones that preach the gospel. We're not the only ones that God has called. And it's encouraging us to know that we're not alone, that God has welcomed not only us into his kingdom, he's welcomed others. And um, the big picture that I've said about this, about hospitality and their desire for it, their desire for really deep community, is the idea that the gospel is the eternal hospitality of God. That we as strangers, the word hospitable means really to welcome strangers. Um, the idea of, of the hospitality of God is that we as strangers were welcomed into God's home, and we were not welcomed as just merely guests. We were welcomed and adopted as sons and daughters. And that through what Jesus did on the cross, we were uh, invited by the hospitality of God to come and abide and to know Him and to live with Him. And so this is kind of how the the book ends. It ends with them living in a tension of wanting to be hospitable, but at the same time needing to be wise about not letting everybody in their house and not letting everybody be influential over them. And and they get a gospel greeting there at the end. So that's a little bit of extension, um, rehashing some of the things that we talked about. Uh, now some I got some guys with me. Um, Dave Lazari is here. Um, Clifford Cox, pretty much everybody with a beard and a guitar. That's right. In our churches here, definitely. Um, what do you guys think? Any questions, comments, things that stuck out to you from Sunday?
0: Man, ten, um, you know, is a really fun verse to play with. I mean, especially, I mean, it brings up all of these concepts in my eyes, like somebody who's, you know, a Christian from within the the gathering. And so what maybe John would refer to as like a false Christian. So that's somebody like we know that threats don't always come from with outside the the church but also some within so you know I could think of examples in the past of like people that were were with us and you know were doing small groups and house churches and things like that, but they had a false teaching you know that was con- it was contrary to the teachings of Christ, contrary to biblical um uh, you know things, and so we gotta be like. Bereans in that, like in Acts 17, you know, just, we want to receive them with eagerness, like, hey, we're so glad that you're with us, and at the same time, like, I'm going to take what you say, and I'm going to hold it up next to the Word of God, which is supreme and and sufficient. So, and we've seen, like, false teachings, like, that arise from, like, other believers amongst us, or what we would say is, like, a false believer and then you it it like challenged us it, it made us you know grow it made us all dig into the the word of god deeper and then you know to see how do we handle this but then it also brings up things like uh you know a jehovah's witness knocks on my door or a mormon missionary and they say hey we want to come inside your house you know and and we're bringing this teaching and so it just, verse 10 just brings up a lot, you know, mm-hmm. when, when I read it. And yeah, I, I could see like the gut reaction to being like, do I just not let anybody in my house? You know, <laughs> and like, um, and I love how you kind of preach that. Just like, this is a difference between somebody bringing a teaching and somebody coming into your house to sit under your teaching, yep. to see Christ in you and to see how you're spreading the gospel.
1: Well, what's even, for me, more convicting about, people bringing teachings to me is that, you know, recently Netflix come out and they had a TV show about where they portray Jesus as homosexual. And there's tons of Christians, millions that fund Netflix with that. So you get in this controversial thing of it's, they're not just like knocking on my door. That seems like the obvious and straightforward, right? What happens when I buy a Jay Z album (laughs) and it's full of misogyny, it's full of racism. Basically, if you take everything good and flip it upside down, you know, people are always tripping over like uh is if you play Jay Z's music backwards or whatever, you can hear demonic stuff. It's like, dude, if you play it forward, you can hear demonic <laughs> yeah. stuff. Like just like <laughs> listen to what's so at what point am I funding false teachers right. by buying their album, going to their movies? You know, I think that's where it gets pretty tough. And that's where I think a lot more erosion happens. Where uh, because I watch so many thousand hours of whatever, uh, media, which is someone bring me every single movie, every single book you've read, every single song you've ever listened to has an agenda.
0: It's trying to indoctrinate you. It has yeah. a worldview.
1: Mm-hmm. And so I think that that's where it gets real convicting to me because I I've watched garbage in my life. You know what I mean? And, and I, I don't, I think that's, that's the tough one. The other thing too, is that erosion gets to a place where, we talked about this last week, Um, you can be a Christian truly born again and not have the full reward that's intended. That's literally the language John uses here. And so it's the idea that the danger of false teaching for believers is not that they would lose their salvation. It's that they would lose their reward. And you can be fully born again and yet live a defeated lifestyle and look so much like the world, have the depression of the world, have the purposelessness of the world. And that... That just sucks. Like that, that there's nothing good there. On the other side, it says that if you abandon um, sound Christology—fully God, fully man—which he taught in First John as well—you don't have God. That if you don't have Jesus, you don't have God.
0: Yeah, Christ in the flesh. Right. I mean, he's talking about the incarnation.
1: And it's ironic that Mormons will come to us and say, "Well, you're a Christian, and I'm—we're both Christians—as though they're like non-denom, and I'm one-denom.
0: And they say Jesus. They and... off the
1: reservation. Yeah. They don't have God because they they don't have a solid Christology. Because again, Jesus is the test of Christianity. And so what's weird about like church membership, and I know some people scoff at that idea of why we have it here, but so many people come to our church are coming to the gospel from different backgrounds, from Mormon backgrounds, from Presbyterian, from Baptist, from Pentecostal, different things. When you come through our membership stuff, we lay out the, the non-negotiables, the essential things, and we say... One of those things is our Christology. Here is exactly what the Bible teaches about the person and work of Christ. And if you don't believe this, you don't hold to biblical Christianity, and we can't affirm you in any sense as a brother, and we can't put you at a leadership or a teaching position. Now, think about this. You wouldn't be surprised, like if I don't let Joel Olstein or Benny, uh, Benny Hinn or... Um, a Mormon priest or, you know what I mean? Like people that are clearly false teachers. If I don't let them come to our pulpit at our church, you'd be like, yeah, Colby, you know, he limits who comes in there. But dads, families, men and women, y'all are the pastors of your homes. Yeah. And you're making judgment calls about what you let into your pulpit, your dinner table, your televisions. And and you know it's not like the elders are coming to your house making decisions for you about what you're subjecting your mind and your heart and your kids to. Mm. So some things to think about there. Anything else, Dave? You got anything?
2: Well, it, it reminds. I mean, the whole the whole the whole teaching today reminded me of a, a couple of scenarios in my life, but one in particular when I was in my first semester at college at Denver Metro, and I was walking across campus and there was a volleyball game going on. <clears throat> I made a really bad. A selection of classes when I started, I had like a four hour gap in the middle of the day, had some time to kill. So I ended up hanging out with these guys uh, playing volleyball. Turns out they're an on campus ministry and start spending the days with them for about a week and a half. They invite me to a gathering they're having uh, kind of after hours there on campus, and I end up in a couple of conversations with a couple of people. And then the leader's like, Hey, I'd like to meet you for coffee. And um, so the next week or something, I don't exactly remember the timeline, we sit down for coffee on campus there in Denver. And just sitting across the table from this guy, I started to have a sense that something's not right. And at that point there wasn't any particular things he was saying that I was raising red flags to. I just had this physical mm-hmm. response to sitting in his presence and, um, called up to pastor of a church that I grew up in. Um, his name is Greg steer and, uh, I just said, "Hey, man, I'm I'm going to school here, and I met this guy. Um, they're from the Denver Church of Christ, and this is." And he's like, "Stops me right there." He's like, "The Denver Church of Christ?" I said, "Yeah." Because I want you to give that guy my phone number and never speak to him again, and tell him to call me if he has any questions. Dang, son. And um, what it boiled down to is, he uh, his position was this was a a very uh, cultish ministry that was uh, kind of exploiting. Uh, campus kids, and uh, coming to them with false teachings in a very real, charismatic, everybody gather around kind of way, and um, so I immediately distanced myself from them and, and got involved with uh, uh, what was it called, Campus Crusade?
1: Crew. Shout uh, out,
2: yeah. And um, they were, as I kind of explained this scenario to, to the to the leaders with that ministry, they were unaware really of, of kind of what was going on there. They knew that they were over there playing volleyball and stuff but weren't aware of how they were really trying to steal the hearts and minds of some of these students. And um, it really <clears throat> enlightened me to, I, I guess I would call it a gift that God has given me to sense those presences uh, for the most part that I need to steer clear from. Um, and, and, and maybe it's in a way that um, sometimes I don't understand my own doctrine well enough um, when somebody's saying something or teaching something or sharing their position, uh, and, and it doesn't trigger something in my mind, but God has kind of created this wall for me, where it's just like, it gives me this feeling, um, which is a strange thing to say. But that was my first kind of reaction when I was listening to the teaching uh, this morning. It was kind of reminding me of that scenario of uh, limiting the people that you invite into your house, into your life, into your social circle. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think for me it <clears throat> encompasses. Every aspect of my life, I, you know, we have barbecues in the summertime and invite people over and have a good time. People that don't go to church, have never gone to church, don't know Christ, aren't interested in knowing Christ at this point in their lives. And it's, it's, I don't draw the line saying you're not allowed in my house, but as you were talking about this morning, they're not allowed in my kid's bedroom, you know,
0: um,
2: I don't invite them to spend the night and influence the trajectory of my family,
0: or yeah, like speak over our dinner tables, right? You know, to well, like I'm my gonna, kids sitting there listening to it or something. Yeah,
2: I'm not going to invite you to share your theology to my family, but we can, you know, eat some pulled pork and, <laughs> and drink some beers in the backyard and have a good time. But um, you know, that's
1: like
0: cool because you're you're talking about a, a like the big picture there that seems so simple to Christians. Like, oh man, this is way you know contradictory to you know what the what the scriptures are saying. And so now it's like what you're talking about, though, is like on a micro level, like I've heard of guys that will pause movies, you know, with their kids in the room and say, all right, now, kids, now, what is that trying to teach you? What is it saying to us? What is it trying to communicate? Mm
1: -hmm.
0: And then they hit play again after their kids are like, oh, it's trying to tell us that, you know, and then if that thing is contrary to what the Bible said, then we pause that. we engage it. So it's not so much even too that you're gonna like shut all of these things out, but maybe that you interact with them.
1: I I think there's there's a thing too a few things you said I think are stirring. One is there's certain people that there's exchanges where they're asking questions or making comments and you know I have lots of people in Durango. We're in a super liberal area. Um, I I say all the time, Well Plata County is a good place for cults. I mean we're a small town here outside of Durango I mean, how many other places got gay cowboys doing Zen stuff, taking advantage of old women? I mean, we're, we're, we're in a unique place for cults. So many cults, um, Lakota Indian cult that has flyers up at the ice cream shop. There's cults, like I can throw a rock and hit a cult from where we're sitting right now. You know what I mean? And I don't got a great arm. And so the thing here is that there are, there's a place where with certain people that I'm exchanging with that are lost people, I, we need to get in there and we need to put the gospel right in the heart of the marketplace and believe that the gospel is better than everything else, and it'll, 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 it'll do the heavy lifting. But I think what John's pointing out here is there were certain people that are posers, that there's individual cases, and there's a precedent for. Some people, you just don't, you, you can't bring them around. Because whatever you bring to your barbecue, you bring them into your circle, you, you lend them something, like, it, they're just good, they're going to hijack it for this other thing. So I don't think this is everybody I don't because again you know the scriptures talk all the time about you know we're sharing with sexually immoral people greedy people evil people we can't get away from those people we'd have to get out of the world the right. world that's what Paul says what Paul says is don't hang out with those people that act that way and claim to be brothers right see that that's the tension that we need to walk in one thing Dave said um, about discernment there's a gift of discernment that God gives his people and particularly people in the church. And that gifting, um, I feel like in my own life, was weak when I first started walking with Christ. Like, I would get in those situations, where I'm like, dude, something's messed up here. But I didn't know what was wrong. Like, I, I didn't know enough of the Bible. I didn't have enough discipleship. I wasn't mature enough to be able to, like, pinpoint it, right? When that, and I think that's where it's so key for young believers to call pastors, to call leaders and say, hey, I, there's something funky here, but I, I'm just going to need some extra set of eyes and ears, to look at this, and that's where a church, we we handle these problems together. It's not a, right. It's not just you know. It's not a lone ranger thing. I think of about like music because both of you guys are music men and I'm a hack, but it's the same way. It's like the longer I spent in the Word and the longer I spent in the school with Jesus in discipleship, that discernment got clear. I knew Scripture better to know where there was error. Among even just brothers, like not even talking false teachers, just where error is and error in my own life, in my community. And then obviously, whenever false teachers came in, I had a sharper eye for those things. It's the same thing with music. When I go to services and someone is singing something off key, um, like right now, we got another buddy uh, back in Oklahoma that went down a deep dive during his quarantine. And all he is finding is videos of Toto's rains down in Africa saying horribly. So they like change the octave or the key of it and then they change the beat of it and it just sounds like it's like atrocious. (laughs) Like it's just awful. Or it's like some kid singing it or like some people butchering it at a concert. So it's like you listen to it and you're like, man, something is wrong here. But people who know music, if they show up to a service and something is offbeat, it's out of key and stuff, they're like, oh, this is exactly why this doesn't sound exactly now, for me coming in, I'd be like, something's wrong in the service, but I don't know what's going on up there with music. It's just bad.
0: Yeah, because you got to know that particular song too, which is just like, I mean, get outside of musicianship and see, like, oh, no, this is a sloppy tempo. Most people can't even catch that. But if they know Rain's Down in Africa oh my and they listen to that, you know what I mean? Over and over and over again, and you know what it's supposed to sound like, and then you introduce something else I that. Miss- yeah, you introduce something like that to the ear, and anybody who's spent a lot of time with that song is going to know, oh, something's weird about it. So that's the idea here is like spend time in God's word, spend time in the community and under discipleship. And you are a theologian. You know, you are learning about what does the Bible say about God? What do people say about God? I mean, that's Jesus, right? Who do people say? Who do you say that I am? So you got to get into that because now we're sitting under that one song, the gospel. So that whenever something comes into the church specifically that's off key or off tempo or, you know, it sounds sloppy or it's not right or it's not complete, then your ear picks it up.
1: I, I, I say this with disciples all the time, like when we meet for DShip, I, I say, I want to fine-tune your ear to heaven, mm. where the Holy Spirit speaks to you and you, you're so fluent in Bible that when heaven speaks, you can instantly, tra- just you're fluent in Bible, like, fine-tune your ear to heaven one thing that that just has to happen with both musicians and uh disciples and Christians it, and i said this in the ser- sermon is that one of the best things that can happen to you is you come in contact with false teachers right Th- that doesn't mean you like abide with them because it's clearly not what we're commanded to do but that you it, you're exposed to their like soul-sucking error and you d- you learn to defeat it with the word mm because like the fact of the matter is, as a Christian, you develop spiritual muscles by pushing back. You learn to fight by fighting. And and there's in all of us, like it, it's hard because sometimes we think on our kids we want to hold them in this bubble. But the fact of the matter is, just like pausing the screen, there's times where you need to set them down and say, This is what error is. How would you respond to this? How does this how does this disagree with the scriptures? Uh, we sat down the other day and we watched a movie and I said, I'm gonna watch this movie. And at the end of the movie, I want you to tell me where this comes in conflict or agreement with how the Bible shows us the world really is, right? And there's going to be these times of like, I don't want to incubate my kids in some bubble. I want them to be inoculated to the disease, Yeah. right? I want them to have antibodies and defenses against that. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's the tension here is, um, we need to we need to have a certain amount of exposure to it so that we can get spiritually strong. That's how we grow. Um, and and I but I think at the same time John's going to say some some individuals in some situations are going to be so deadly. It's like you're not getting an inoculation from a bullet. And if that dude goes through your heart, it it'll just, it it'll just explode your heart when you get shot with a bullet. Right? There's certain things. It's like you you just can't drink uh, battery acid and live. Yeah, Like, you're not getting no inoculation of that, okay? So I think that's where he's coming, that certain false teachers in certain scenarios are so toxic, and especially when you look at how they used houses as ministry platforms, hospitality as ministry platforms. They're like, do not let that guy um, be the guy that gives the sermon at Thanksgiving and the prayer time at Thanksgiving <laughs> dinner. It's like, don't let crazy Uncle Bill...
0: This is why we don't have open mics. That's
1: why we ain't going to have no open mic Thanksgiving. It's like, like, but you know what I mean? Like, There's going to be times where you can't let that guy have your platform.
0: Right.
2: It's a good well, word. And I like how the illustration you give there about inoculating your kids, uh, rather be through a movie or whatever. And I, and I think back to my childhood, growing up in a, in a single-parent household, a dad who was absent and did not love me, and realizing that, knowing that, also growing up in a city, um, spending time with friends of mine's families who were non-Christians, being exposed to everything I could possibly be exposed to that is secular and non-Christian and bad for me. And the only inoculation I had was Sunday. And half the time I was ditching church to hang out with my girlfriend at Dairy Queen where she worked. So I was DQ. Very, very much poisoning myself in an atmosphere that was poisonous. And through my mom's prayer life, Somehow now I'm a 38-year-old father, or am I 39, whatever it is, um, who takes his family to church and prays regularly and pursues Christ for my life. But um, it's like you don't go to the doctor and get five flu shots because they're going to help more or something. You don't uh, submerge yourself in a toxic atmosphere or Mm -hmm. society more or deeper because you're going to be more inoculated, or or maybe on the reverse reverse side you're going to be more... Um, of an influence in that atmosphere. Now that atmosphere is going to probably influence you more than you're influencing it. um, If you're not careful.
1: I I think of it like this. I can only lend strength out of strength. So if I want to like lend health to other people, I got to be healthy myself. So like, I don't, I don't really ask people about, you know, that I've discipled or walked with about, you know, you spending time in the word or you praying. I hope they're doing those things. What I ask them is, is your walk with Jesus healthy? Because if your walk with Jesus is healthy, there's a then you can out of that health minister to other people. Yeah, but if your walk with Jesus is anemic and sickly and you go out into a sick world, you're gonna get more sick. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's where all of us is trying to find that balance of out of the amount of strength that I have and influence I have and relationships I have, how much strength can I put out there and how much can I influence them? Without myself being like ripped apart, and I, again, I think this comes—we're stronger together. If the three of us brothers get out there and we're sharing the gospel with people, we're stronger than if we go out there just solo. Mm-hmm. And I think that's when fishermen fish together, we can cast the net wider mm-hmm. too. There's accountability there, and so I, I think that again, it's it. it one is an individual, you know, ask you know how healthy is my walk with Jesus, but on the other side, I think that just as a community. When we fish together, we fish stronger. We fish better. As we kind of wrap this up, I hope the um, series on 2 John has been a blessing to you and your family and your house church. Um, You can go back and find those teachings on our website at fbcbayfield.com. And uh, we're going to try to do some more of these sermon extensions for you guys. If you've got questions or comments, um, please shoot those to us. Like this, share this, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Much love.
0: You've been listening to The Portable Pulpit. If you've been blessed, like it, share it, subscribe to it, and for goodness sake, send us some ideas.